Hello and welcome to Ice Age Prep Reads Season 3 Interlude, The Next End of the World, The Rebirth of Catastrophism by Ben Davidson. This is Chapter 4, The Magnetic Excursion, The Worst Events and the Good News. Before we discuss the details of the galactic hand and solar sword of the catastrophe cycle, it is necessary to learn more about the Earth. There has been at least some level of biosphere stress with all the recent geomagnetic excursions, but some are definitely worse than others. During some, a tremendous amount of the biosphere disappears. For others, it might be several bad surge deposits and perhaps only 10 to 20% of the species population numbers being lost, and a few extinctions. One piece of excellent news is that we have not seen two of the terrible ones in a row, and the last one was a terrible one. In the next chart, we find the known geomagnetic excursions dating back to the Blake event, with a biosphere impact score for each. A 10 out of 10 would be a complete extermination of life on Earth. 9 out of 10 is catastrophic extreme like Toba, when as little as a few dozen reproducing human females survived. For comparison, a major hurricane or earthquake is unlikely to even register a 1 on this chart, and a volcanic eruption that cools the planet 2 to 3 degrees might be a 1 to 3. And then there's a chart, and I'll go through it right now. So it's the first will be the excursion name, and then the time frame, and then the bio impact, biosphere impact out of 10. Gothensburg, 12,000 years ago, 8 out of 10. Lake Mungo, 24 to 28,000 years ago, 4 out of 10. Mono Lake, 33 to 37,000 years ago, 5 out of 10. Lachamp, 41 to 46,000 years ago, 8 out of 10. Vostok, Greenland, 60,000 years ago, 5 out of 10. Toba, 72,000 years ago, 9 out of 10. Then an unnamed one 84,000 years ago, 4 out of 10. Another unnamed one before that, 96,000 years ago, 4 out of 10. And then Blake, 105 to 115,000 years ago, 8 out of 10. With a score of 8 or 9, the Gothenburg, Lachamp, Toba, and Blake magnetic excursions stand out above the Lake Mungo, Mono Lake, and Vostok Greenland events. The further back in time, the less the evidence stands out, such that we actually have no evidence at all of the events between Toba and Blake. We can't even say for sure there were any, and if they did occur, they were not as bad as the really bad ones. It is perhaps comforting that we get at least one break cycle between the hor horrific events, and perhaps we just should expect the next one to be a 4 or a 5. What that means for the severity of the disaster specifically will come in Chapter 6. Nearly all the megafauna in North America disappeared in the last event, in surge deposits and muck pits, while mammoths were frozen instantly on the other side of the world. The last event seems to have been extremely bad due to the impactors that arrived with it. The Lachamp excursion four cycles ago was actually the first magnetic excursion to be discovered by scientists. It was a global catastrophe and has been confirmed more than any other event. This event likely caused the downfall of the Neanderthal species. The Toba event 72,000 years ago coincided with tremendously bad volcanic activity, widespread extinctions, and other star trespassing and another star trespassing in our solar system. It is worth knowing that when Shoal Star, a red binary possibly with planets, passed through our solar system 72,000 years ago, it was likely an amazing sight for all pre-humans alive 
at that time. It was also a terrible event due to the X-rays and cosmic rays from the star system. A binary star system literally passed through the outer reach of ours. The event was so atrocious, and with the red skies from Tobo's eruption, the new red star in the sky was never forgotten. It was often blamed for subsequent events that ancient people couldn't otherwise explain. Shoal's binary, Nibiru, is now 18 light years away and is not locked into orbit with our sun. Perhaps there was in fact no geomatic excursion between Toba and Blake, and the passing of the binary system 72,000 years ago set the current cycle duration in place. We will likely never know the answer to that one. If there was a planetary shakeup during the stellar encounter, it is a match for Velikovsky's version of the disaster. Back to the question at hand. What exactly is happening to cause volcanic, impactor, oceanic, and other evidence of these events during the magnetic excursions? To explain all the evidence, we must first identify the key pieces of evidence to be explained. Strange Evidence Earth's catastrophe cycle is full of strange evidence. Explaining it all is the goal, but over the time there has largely been as much new evidence seeking an explanation as there has been resolution of the existing lot. Scientists have long ignored this problem, using flawed isotope dating and to separate these events and to and describe a randomly accident-prone planet with no real rhyme or reason to the occurrence of the disasters. To answer Hibben's challenge, let's go through the evidence that needs to be explained piece by piece, state, starting with the primary element of the traceable cycle, the magnetic excursion. The extra space energy during magnetic minimum of the excursion can cause a considerable amount of evidence we see all by itself. Changes in cosmic rays and UV light exposure during the low point of our field strength, magnetic minimum, can be catastrophic to DNA, cellular processes, ion exchange, and more. Photosynthetic processes and the microfood chain are exceptionally vulnerable to changes in magnetic fields and radiation. These cosmic rays also affect the weather and can cause cooling, although not enough to freeze a mammoth, which would further harm the biosphere. The magnetic change affects migratory species like birds and whales and can even affect plant seed integrity and insect behavior. Those further disrupt the biosphere. This is where the work of Robert Felix is of great importance as it tracks the disasters and DNA changes resulting in the disappearance and appearance of species. It is very convincing. Evidence also suggests cosmic rays affect the viscosity of silica-rich magma and therefore causes explosive volcanic eruptions which can further cool the planet in addition to their local devastation. Again, not enough cooling to flash freeze a mammoth. We know the magnetic field is already weakening again now and the magnetic poles are shifting. And you, there's a picture in the book um, that, to describe where the poles are shifting to. And the cycle is due up again soon. So with the observations matching the cycle timing, if we presume we are in a magnetic excursion event right now, the question then becomes, can a magnetic excursion explain all the evidence? The volcanoes, the climate change, radiation, and the extinctions are all reasonably connected to the resulting effects of geomagnetic excursions. The harder part comes in explaining the impactors, deluge great waves, and all the evidence that comes with them, and certain rare isotopes from the events themselves. The impactor problem is one that presents the greatest initial challenge to answering Hibben's call. 
impactors would be meteors or comet fragments that hit the Earth. The recent crater discovered under the Greenland ice, said to potentially be from the period of the last great disaster, is only one piece of evidence. There are craters, microtectites, glass beads, and other evidence of airburst impactors exploding in the atmosphere like Tunguska that can be associated with a few of the cycles. The coincidence, coincidence of major impacts of airbursts tied to these magnetic excursions is confounding from a statistical odds perspective. Nothing about a magnetic excursion would cause impactors, nothing about an impactor would flip the Earth's magnetic field, and we know from geological evidence and modern observations of the ongoing event that it is a decades to centuries long magnetic process, not a smash and flip scenario. Yet both exist together, and we'll have to explain that. The evidence of the deluge, or great waves, demands an explanation too. We have already examined the role of the crust metal boundary, but the question remains, can a magnetic excursion trigger the low velocity zone to unlock? When we think about what would cause waves to crash over portions of the continents, we don't have many options. A shift of the crust or total planet tilt angle, a change in Earth's rotation, massive areas of land rising and falling, or a combination. When we remember the stories of the sun setting in the wrong place, standing still in the sky, and the stories of the long night when the sun seemed almost a day late in rising to a then panic-stricken ancient civilization, what else could explain it? The tropical and polar fossil layers discovered by Major White's team, alternating every cycle, speak to a turning over of the earth, the physics nightmare. The shifting back and forth of the crust helps us answer the mystery of the cause of the great waves, and also the persistence of magnetic pole position in similar places over eons. A reversal in Earth's rotation, Vought's hypothesis, would leave the geographic poles where they are too, but with little chance for tropical biological deposition since the poles never go to the equator and the waves would have no north-south component. It would also require the entire Earth to stop and spin the other way, this is a relatively indefensible proposition from a scientific standpoint, and mere crustal shifts and tilts of the planet can produce the great waves and the celestial sights from the ground. The rising and falling of land concept is terrific. It can explain the waves, the stories of Atlantis, Mu, and others that allegedly sank into the sea. And it may even explain the sloshed of tropical muck to the polar regions as it runs off elevating equatorial regions. While this is a good piece of the puzzle, it cannot be the entire story of the great waves. It doesn't help explain the stories of the sun standing still or rising in the wrong place of the crust, tilt, rotation do not change. If, however, the rising and falling is caused by something that also causes the crust to shift, perhaps with the shifting plates functioning to trigger the rise and fall of the land, then we have a way for the plates to twist and shift at our faults, or for the entire outer shell to be yanked by various forces like ice weight. It was Einstein's favorite idea but he couldn't figure out how to unlock the crust from the mantle. There simply would never be enough weight in ice to undo the friction of the crust mantle boundary. The mechanism described by Thomas also occurs at the low velocity zone, crust mantle boundary. The axis and spin of the core and mantle do not change. It is at the low end velocity zone, plasticity layer, where rock sits on liquid, where an electromagnetic or a thermal event, or both, can disrupt the friction holding them together, allowing the crust to shift. 
Surely the oceans just don't just decide to escape the seabeds without a great force or tilt rotation change of the Earth. So let's examine the two different geomagnetic events that are known to affect this crust mantle boundary. In the next image, again, if you can find this book, get it. There's lots of great images. We come back to the electromagnetic aspects of the Earth to consider some of the strange evidence in modern times that this planet is not as stable as we think it is. To do so, let us examine the minor version of the crustal shifts that we do see in modern times. Yes, they happen. They are called length of day glitches, LOD. They are literal glitches in the rotation of the crust atop the mantle. These are merely millisecond glitches causing no damage or awareness to humans and quickly recover. These smaller glitches we see in modern times have two known well-correlated phenomena. One is a geomagnetic jerk emanating from Earth's core. These are magnetic glitches near the core, like a small pothole in the street, not going to send the car off the road that sometimes can cause a similarly tiny glitch in the Earth's rotation. The second cause is strong geomagnetic storm activity triggered by the sun. While scientists argue the mechanisms at work, we know that even a common solar storms can induce current through the crust and into the mantle, especially at subduction regions. By some yet discovered mechanism, geomagnetic jerks and strong geomagnetic storms can both touch the low velocity zone. Think of this crustal unlocking like supervolcanoes, major asteroid impacts, and megaquakes, which are the bigger versions of effusive eruptions, meteor showers, and tectonic grinding. Earth's modern rotation LOD glitches tied to geomagnetic jerks and geomagnetic storms are the smaller versions of what happens in the great disaster to unlock their entire crust. The question remains, is the magnetic excursion enough to explain the electromagnetic breakdown at the crust mantle boundary? Maybe, maybe not. It seems like a total global mechanic magnetic shift has a good chance of disrupt disrupting the low velocity zone but it certainly doesn't help us explain the impactors. Regardless of the answers, there is another explanation and it does explain the impactors. It also explains the third strange piece of evidence. Aluminum 26, iron 60, and numerous other elements can be found on Earth that are very difficult to produce. A number of these isotopes, especially some of the transuronic flavors, elements higher in atomic number than uranium, must be produced in nova events. Nova elements are not a surprise here on Earth. We exist among the remnants of previous nova. The solar system formed from one, and they happen regularly over time in the galaxy. The problem is with some of the isotopes found to have half-lives demanding that they not be right here Sorry, the problem is with some of the isotopes found to have half-lives demanding that they not be here right now. Some transuranic elements decay so quickly that there is no way they were here when we formed as a solar system. That's too long ago, and there is no way they could be from some faraway nova as it would take too long to arrive here. It is if it's if it. If it was a recent and nearby supernova, it would likely have sterilized the Earth, if not destroyed the entire solar system, and that didn't happen. Explaining these isotopes is a big problem. 
Some of them are found in the bones of animals in the surge deposits and muck pits from the cyclical disaster, and in the microtectites as well. Now, this is a very big problem, and it gets even worse. We learned in 2020 that when magnetic fields are modeled with nova remnants, the dust carrying many of the isotopes stays in the remnant, trapped like a dusty magnetic pinball, uh, suggesting that the producer of the Earth's very recent nova isotope must be very nearby. It is very nearby. It's the sun, a long period recurrent microstar nova. The sun is the answer to Hibben's challenge, at least the bulk of it. What triggers the sun to act cleans up the evidential debris left behind by the Thomas and Einstein. The micronova would produce a magnificent geomagnetic storm that could easily induce past the mantle to the core and even induce a geomagnetic jerk bringing the two LOD glitch triggers at the same time. A micronova shell erupting from the sun has pieces flying off into space. There's your impactors, and obviously it produces the nova isotope cosmic rays and dust-trapped particles. In the next two chapters, we will learn why the recurrent solar micronova is not just the ultimate answer to unlocking, unlocking the crust, but also to the rapid freeze of mammoths. It will also finally answer why there's this catastrophe cycle in the first place. And that is the end of chapter 4. Uh, the next chapter, Solar Micronova, is will be what we're going over next. Um, thanks for listening. I really appreciate everybody out there. Share this information as much as you can. If possible, download it. I don't know how long the internet will be around. Um, you'll want to have this, maybe for future reference in some shape or form. I will work on getting some sort of transcripts posted as well. That's probably going to take me some time. And I don't know if this particular copy of this book is on archive.org yet. I'll work on scanning it as a PDF and getting it uploaded, and then you'll want to download it and print it as fast as you can uh, before that goes away too. From what I understand, when these giant magnetic uh, situations happen, giant solar flares, um, you know the the grid is vulnerable to that. And you won't have access to podcasts or GPS or archive.org to download things or the, you know, the internet will be down too. So you'll want to have a hard copy or some way to um, access the information that you find valuable. If you don't find this valuable, that's fine. I'm just uh, putting in my two cents for what it's worth. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.